Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring players like all-star catcher Buster Posey. It's about, you know, just going out and, and trying to have passion for the game that I've loved since I was a kid. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Sun First Solar, known for delivering solar excellence since 1984 and recently voted best solar company in Marin County. We're also brought to you by TPC Harding Park, the only public golf course in San Francisco offering golfers the opportunity to play where the pros play. Coming up, we're going to hear from a Giants postseason hero from 2014. Travis Ishikawa hits one into right. The Giants win the pennant. That's right. Travis Ishikawa will join us on Inside China Basin. But first, I want to tell you about my favorite golf course, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. TPC Harding Park is now open and accepting tee times at tpc.com slash Harding Park. And TPC Harding Park is also pleased to announce the 2020 PGA Championship has been rescheduled for August the 3rd through the 9th. For additional information, visit tpc.com slash Harding Park or feel free to contact 102PGA at pgahq.com. Today we get to hear from the hero of the 2014 NLCS Game 5, the game-winning home run. We all remember it, and we get to reminisce with Travis Ishikawa. Here was the conversation I had with him. Well, Travis, great to catch up with you. How are you doing? What are you, what are you up to these days? Where are you living, and uh, what are you doing for excitement? Uh, well, down in Arizona. Um, looking forward to coaching for my third year. We're down here with the rookie ball guys. Um, obviously that got put on hold. So, uh, now just kind of itching to get back and, um, you know, I just really not doing a whole lot. Just, uh, you know, the kids have been home for the last few months. So I guess, uh, trying to keep them occupied, I think is the biggest challenge that I'm sure every parent has gone through so far. Yeah. I know you started doing some coaching, uh, you know, being a hitting coach there in the Arizona fall league a few years ago i mean how much do you enjoy doing it what have you learned about it because it's not always easy to be the coach and you know and teach uh kids or younger guys how to do what you did uh, you know you knew how to hit but uh, now you got to teach people yeah um it's been it's been a blast um obviously when i first started i didn't know what i was getting into and uh those first few months i can't believe i'd ever played baseball in my life because i i'm sitting there not knowing how to help anybody with hitting which is something i've done my whole life so um you know, I was lost, and but had some great mentors and, and a lot of great coworkers and friends, and um, I enjoy it. I really enjoy, you know, especially these young kids, you know, the, the Latin Americans that are coming over for the first time to the States and, and young high school kids and coming out of the draft, and they don't know what to expect. You know, this was kind of all new for them, and um, I remember, you know, signing out of high school as an 18-year-old just feeling lost here in Arizona, and, uh, um, you know, so being able to hopefully help those guys, you know, at least get get comfortable, um, you know. Get find a foundation, find a base that works for them. Um, these guys all can hit; they all can play. That's why they got drafted and signed. And 
Um, you know, our job as coaches is just to kind of fine tune them a little bit and get them on their way and, and move them up and, and, and just continue to watch them hopefully have a lot of success, especially for the, that big club in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, you know, right now it's really hard for baseball players, you know, especially minor league players because they're not playing. There's really no plan for them to get out there. I mean, what's your viewpoint of the whole situation? I mean, obviously MLB had a hard time coming up uh, with an agreement. You know, the negotiations were difficult. And then there's the concern of the safety for the players. So, you know, what would be your mindset if you were a major league player right now thinking about this? It would definitely be a concern. Um you know, obviously, like, I mean, like, like just daily life, right? We just, we got to kind of be careful of what we do and where we go and, um, you know, how, how close you get to people. And I know that, you know, in a, in a baseball life, it's not always easy, um, you know, to avoid those situations. But, you know, you just kind of do your best to protect and prevent. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that something gets resolved soon because I miss baseball. I know I'm itching to get back. I don't know you know, what the plans are for the minor league side, if there's going to be any games or if it's just going to be camps or, you know, if we're just all together, you know, done for the year, I have no idea, but, um, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm like a lot of the, I'm like a lot of the fans that just, I'm anxious to see baseball being played again. And, uh, you know, I miss it. It's, it's been a lonely summer so far. You know? <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, let's go back to the early part of your career. And when you first joined the Giants, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, it's it's hard when you're that young kid. And uh, you first joined the Giants in the major leagues in 2006. What was it like playing for Felipe Alou that year? And, you know, a lot of veterans, I, if I remember right, on that team. And uh, you're more of the younger guy. Yeah, it was, I mean, again, it was, I was getting called up for the first time. So it didn't matter what the situation was. It was an experience and, and a thrill. And, uh, but, um, you know, just, you know, getting to play your first managers, you know, just uh, one of those guys that you just, you, you say the name and you know immediately who he is. I mean, what he did, you know, for the Latin American community, um, you know, coming over and being one of the first to, to play and, and, you know, obviously get to play with his brothers in San Francisco and, and his managerial career just speaks for itself. And, um, you know, he wasn't a man of many words, but, but he got his point across. He got his message across and, uh, um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, the, the first conversation we had where I was getting my first, I'm sorry, not the first, but just the conversation we had when I had met the team the second time. And, uh, he was telling me I was starting. I think, I think my eyes popped out of my head and he just <laughs> went along with, with nobody, you know, normal, like it was a normal day and no big deal. And, and uh, you know, so I went three for four that night and he made it sound like he knew what he was doing. So, uh, <laughs> it, it was just, it was such a, a cool experience, obviously being with a, a lot of veterans and and uh, and a lot of a lot of older guys. Obviously, I was uh, doing my best to stay out of everybody's way and just mind my place and and uh, just do whatever I could to help the club out at the time. Yeah, there were a lot of players to learn from on on that team. I mean, Barry Bonds is on that team. You know, a class act like Randy Wynn was on that team. Omar Vizquel, you know, that's at the end of his career. He was 39 years old at the time, but I remember he was just really, really still good at shortstop and, and making some uh, fabulous plays over there. So I would think that was a great experience that first year. Oh, it was, yeah, it was phenomenal. Again, it was, uh, it was three different stints. I think the longest time I spent was, was for a week, so I didn't really get to establish too many relationships and, uh, and friendships at, at that moment. Again, being the young rookie, it was a different era back then. You know, rookies kind of had to mind their place and uh, kind of keep to themselves as much as they could. Just, just go out and perform and, and do your job. And uh, um, so, I, and again, I wasn't wanting to step on anybody's toes, so I wasn't 
super, and I was, I've never been super extroverted anyway. So, um, you know, just more so just kind of sitting back and watching how guys go about their business and how they approach, you know, their, their preparation for games and, and whatnot is kind of where I got my biggest, you know, learning from. Take us back to in 2009, uh, what that year did for your confidence. I mean, you made the opening day roster. You're the first baseman. Uh, you know, there was a period of time there late in July where they traded for Ryan Garko, but, you know, he, he didn't really uh, hit that well. So then you're back over at first base. So sort of the ups and downs of 2009, uh, did that help you a lot confidence-wise? Yeah, I definitely feel like everything, obviously everything that you go through always always helps and makes you better um, as long as you take it as a learning experience and, um, I think, you know, early on in that season, I, um, I was platooning with Rich Aurelia at first base anyway. So when, when Garco came over, you know, it, there was no change. I kind of already had kind of had, um, um, I would already kind of knew what to expect. I knew what my role was for the team that I was going to get most of the right-handed starts. And, and, you know, if the lefty was, was in there that night coming off the bench, maybe being a defensive replacement. So it wasn't a huge adjustment when he came over. Um, but I, I think just being able to get that first year under the, under the belt and, and to get quite a few at bats and to get a lot of playing time and to get that experience. And, and up until like the, was the last month, six weeks of the season, we were in it. You know, we had a chance at, at a playoff spot that year. So, um, just, just, it was an excitement, exciting time. And, 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 uh, you know, obviously I think, I think that year definitely kind of built up for the following year. Yeah. The following year, 2010, the first world series championship team. How much did your role, uh, you know, sort of evolve? Uh, you know, you became a guy who could come off the bench and help out. And, there, you know, it seemed like a real cast of characters on that team where uh, maybe egos were put aside for the good of the whole team to win. What, what was the chemistry like on that team? The chemistry was great. Um, I think you, you, you nailed it perfectly. I don't think there was egos. Um, and all of our superstars were, were down to earth and, um, you know, you'd, you'd see a guy like Linsa come, you know, on days that he wasn't pitching, he was, you know, goofing around with everybody on the bench and, you know, jumping around like a string bean. I just, I couldn't <laughs> believe like how athletic that guy was, um, you know, but that was, uh, you know, that was just, that was everybody, you know, we were all loose. We all, we all, we had the good chemistry, you know, we'd go out for meals and stuff when we get into visiting ballparks and, um, you know, it was just, it was a great group of guys. I think we had some young talent. We had a lot of young talent mixed with a lot of really good veterans that, that uh, did a great job of being leaders and, and showing us the way. And, and um, you know, it just, it was, a, it was just a fun time. I, you know, it was a, can't believe it's been 10 years now I'm thinking back to it. Yeah, I know they were going to have a reunion this year. I'm not sure what's happening with that. Uh, but you guys, at the end of the season, just came on so strong to be able to win the West and get into the playoffs. Uh, you know, how much did that help out that you had to play such good baseball just to get in, and then to go from there? Uh, you know, really surprised people. I don't think people were picking the Giants to win the World Series. No, and I think that's been the San Francisco theme of the the 2010s was I think every World Series year, year I think we were under every you know we were underdogs if I'm not mistaken in pretty much every series not just the World Series and um, but yeah I think um, you know having to play that meaningful baseball chasing San Diego that that September and then you know getting kind of the lead late and then you know trying to give it away at the end but uh, obviously being able to hold on to for Game 162 I think definitely helped um, helped us in the postseason to to you know to not 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 um what am i trying to say not not feel the pressure too much um you know just 
um, you know, be able to play baseball and not, not allow the moment to, to get the best of us. And again, when you got guys, like you said, with the veterans, with, you know, the Randy wins and, and, um, and, uh, was Edgar, you know, been in the world series as a 20 year old winning the, we went in for the Marlins. I mean, we we just it was a great group of guys, guys that had been there. Even guys like Athel had been in the World Series a few years before that with the Rockies and and uh you know, so it was just it was cool to um see like there was no there was no sense of urgency, you know, from from playoff game to playoff game. It was like a regular season game for all of us. You know, I was talking to uh, George Contos about this when he first took the mound in the World Series, how nervous he was and I would think that's pretty hard to uh, you know get away from that. You know, you've been dreaming all your life of first of all being a major leaguer. You achieve that. Now you get in the batter's box and it's a World Series game. Can you remember the first time that you got in there? I mean, you must have had some butterflies. Yes, uh, it was a lot of excitement, a lot of butterflies. But it was game one of the World. Uh, are you talking about the World Series? Or just yeah, the I'm thinking either way, both of them. I mean, I got to imagine you're nervous about both. Yeah, post, okay, so first postseason at bat. Um, I honestly can't remember. Um, the one I do remember was the one we had in Atlanta in Game Three, um, where uh, we were down by a run in the ninth. Kimbrel was coming in. I was pinch hitting, and I remember wondering if everyone in the stands and everyone on TV could see my knees just shaking <laughs> on, you know, inside my pants. Because I mean, it wasn't so much that I was scared, but just the the significance of that at bat. You know, we're down a run. This is a deciding, you know. Uh, a monumental game three because whoever wins this is going to be one game away from moving on. So, you know, we lose this game. We got to win two, you know, the next night in Atlanta and then come back home to San Francisco and win. You know, that's, that's no easy task, especially from a great, you know, Atlanta team. So, um, you know, I think I let, I let the, the, the significance of that moment get the best of me. And, uh, and so I remember, you know, thankfully being able to draw the walk, score in the tie and run. We ended up taking the lead, uh, you know, with Buster's ground ball to, to to second base, um, but my first World Series at that, it was pretty much the complete opposite because I was pinch hitting uh, in game one against Texas in the bottom of the eighth. Well, we were already up like, what was it, 11 runs or eight runs, something like that, you know, uh, in that game one. So there wasn't as much to be as nervous about. I think it was more just the excitement, um, and I think that was able to help, kind of help me settle in for my one and only hit for that World Series. So. Um, you know, just a, just a cool moment though from my you know my second full season ever in professional baseball to be in that in that kind of setting. Yeah, I was going to say as a pinch hitter, if it's not an eleven run lead and you come in and it's the postseason, <laughs> right. it, it's really hard to be a pinch hitter anyway in the regular season. Coming into those situations, how did you figure out how to come through in those situations? It's just not easy as a younger player. You're not getting the regular at bats, and then all of a sudden you got to face some reliever who's throwing 95-plus miles an hour, and it's really your only chance in the game to do something. Right, and for me it was a mindset because going back to the, the beginning part of 2010, um, you know, I just come off the 09 season where I split basically half the time at first base. And so I think I kind of had that entitlement and expectation, like, hey, this is going to happen again this year. And obviously with Aubrey coming in and, and, you know, getting off to such a hot start and ended up being really one of our better players all year long. Um, you know, I spent that first month in April not playing at all. I think I I, um, I got a pinch hit in, in the first series in, in uh, Houston, hit a homer, and then I didn't play for, you know, another day or two. And next to pinch hit it comes well I started putting that pressure on myself like hey maybe if I get a hit here I can play tomorrow 
And, you know, again, putting that added pressure, and I ended up struggling for the first month. I think I went, like, oh, for my next 13 or 14, um, you know, only having one start in April. And I think it was in May when I just – it became a mindset for me. Like, okay, if my role on the team is going to be a pinch hitter, I want to be the best pinch hitter in the league. And that was where um, I was – my mindset was, okay, if I get a hit here, great. If I strike out here, I'm still not playing tomorrow. So uh, there's no pressure. I fight. So now my goal went from trying to get hits and being result-based to just I want to have a good at bat. I want to put the barrel in the ball and hit hard. And whatever happens, happens. And then just from then on, I, I slowly started uh, getting more and more pinch hits. And both started using me in kind of more and more of the, the, the clutcher-type roles. You know, I became a fifth, sixth-inning pinch hitter to, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth-inning pinch hitter and uh, – and so I think just as the season went on, the confidence just continued to grow, knowing that Boach had that confidence in me. Um, you know, and I think that definitely helped me prepare me for the, the playoffs. We'll have more with Travis Ishikawa right after this. Jones goes back, back near the wall, shading the sun, and he dropped it. He lost the ball in the sun. Let's put the sun to good use at home with a Sun Power residential solar system. Your Sun Power elite dealer, Sun First Solar, has a wide range of financing options, and they provide the finest customer service from start to finish, regardless of size or scope. Sun First Solar offers the highest efficiency systems, newest technology, and the best warranty in the world. Sun First Solar offers the most competitive price, while not compromising on quality. This summer, let the sun heat your pool and eliminate your energy bill. Don't drop the ball. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. And get your Sun Power solar system today. So you win a World Series with the Giants. Then you go away for a while, places like Milwaukee and Baltimore and a little bit with the Yankees and Pittsburgh. And now you're 30 years old and it's 2014 and the Pirates designated you for assignment. Tell us about how you kept your confidence. Did you consider retiring? I think I remember reading a story about that, uh, you know, that, you know, here you are when you did even come back with the Giants, you're in the minor leagues. Uh, So how did you keep it going? Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't feel like I was 30. I felt like I had a few years left. So, um, you know, when I got designated by Pittsburgh, um, you know, anybody that, that has seen my career, especially from 13 or the end of 12 on, knows being designated was nothing new for me. I think I would, had been designated about four or five times in, you know, 12 or 13 months uh, time span. So um, when I got designated, it, was, it wasn't so much like, will I ever play again? It was just, where's my next, you know, my next journey going to be? Um, not even thinking San Francisco was going to be considered. I, you know, obviously when I thought when I left San Francisco the first time, I thought you know it was like a one, one time thing, and you know as soon as you were gone, you're not coming back. So, you know, I was excited to see where my next journey was going to be, and um, and so I, be, you know, I like to become the free agent instead of taking my option to to Triple A for for Pittsburgh, and you know, just having conversations with my agent and kind of looking at rosters, I saw that they didn't really have a first baseman in Fresno, and I was. Uh, you know, the last few games I had seen in the box score, they had an outfielder playing first base. And, uh, you know, so I, I just I called my agent, and he'd seen the same thing I'd seen. And so he contacted Bobby uh, Evans and, um, and you know, obviously got the minor league deal done. And I was excited to be back home. And, um, you know, even in Fresno, which I got to spend a little bit of time in 08, you know, but just being back with some guys that, you know, I was playing with guys that I played with when I, before I left. So, um, you know, some, some new faces and some young guys, but, 
um, but a lot of a lot of familiar faces. Coaching staff was familiar, so um, it was easy to adjust right back in and, and, and start playing. And um, I think I got hurt like within my first week of playing. I trying to be fast, bunted for a hit, and tried to dive. You know, avoiding the first baseman stag and jam my thumb and. Um, and of course, right, uh, right after I did that, I think, uh, Belt got hurt if I'm not mistaken. And they called up Tyler Colvin and I was like, dang, that might've been my opportunity right there. And so, um, anyway, you know, it was, uh, as soon as I got healthy again, you know, obviously went back and competing. And then just, I think like you had mentioned, I just, I hit this skid where, um, I just couldn't hit anything and, you know, batting practice was feeling good and early work was feeling good, but I just could not seem to figure out a way to translate it into a game and, and, um, you know, I not only was struggling in AAA, I ended up getting benched in AAA that year in Fresno where um, I didn't play for like a week. I didn't – the only time I got to play was now I'm, I'm being a defensive replacement for – in Fresno in AAA for the other guy that's playing over me, which, you know, for me, I thought was like, man, that's like the ultimate slap in the face, right? Like not only <laughs> am I not good enough to play, but now I got to come in for defensive purposes for the guy that's taking my spot. And like you said, as a 30-year-old now at that point, I'm like, uh-oh, like, you know, if I'm a bench guy for AAA, then, you know, what's, what's my big league future look like? And, um, you know, everybody keeps asking, you know, or, or mentioning, like, I was up and ready to retire at that moment. That wasn't the case because I didn't want to – I didn't want in the future for my kids to look at me and go, well, Dad, why did you quit in the middle of the season? Like, what, you're always talking to us about commitment and being dedicated and, and – you know, seeing things through, what were you doing? Quitting. So I was never going to quit in the middle of the season. I know that kind of came out how the story was going to go, and I think it makes for a greater story. So sometimes <laughs> I just kind of go along with it. Uh, but, um, but no, it was more so it was going to be at the end of the season. Because I think at that point, you know, talking with my wife, I was like, there's no way San Francisco needs me. I mean, guys that, that are similar skill set are already on the roster, so why would they, you know, make a roster spot for me for a guy that does this basically as kind of, you know, the similar things. So that was kind of where the conversation led to at the end of this season of the 14th season, dude, I want to go through being a minor league free agent again for the fourth year in a row, you know, not knowing where I'm going to go, possibly having to go across country, not seeing my kids, my family for, you know, months at a time. That was kind of the, the, the topic of debate. Um, and then obviously when, when the giants called me up in July, that kind of, <laughs> that got <laughs> shut down real quick. <laughs> well, you're just thinking about it in the middle of that summer. It had to be emotional. I mean, even if you know you're not going to do it in the middle of the season, like you said, it had to be emotional to be thinking about it. This is your life. I mean, this is what you put everything into. And then you're sitting there. I would think that family and friends come up huge in those situations. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I mean, I had, a, I had a phone call with a, um, a friend of mine. He was actually he was my, one of my high school pitching. He was my high school pitching coach, and we ended up becoming such really close friends that he was actually the best man at my wedding. And um, so he's kind of one of those mentors that I look up to and I look to, especially in, in moments like this, just for guidance. And, and um, I called him. We were in Round Rock, Texas after game. Just, again, I don't know when the last time I had made contact with the ball, let alone hit it hard. And, you know, just frustrated and, and uh, you know, talking to my wife on the phone. And she finally just kind of broke down. She's always trying to be, you know, real strong for me because she knows I'm, I'm struggling really bad. And, and she just got to the point, too, where she wasn't able to be strong enough for both of us anymore. So now I'm trying to be comforted in her. And I'm not good at that right, at that <laughs> moment because I need, you know, because I'm, I'm down, too. And so I called my buddy and, and, you know, we talked. I mean, it was probably one thirty, two o'clock in the morning in Texas, you know, where I'm out in the parking lot talking, you know, uh, trying to dodge all the 
all the uh, baseball-sized bugs they got out there, and um, and you know just basically broke down crying and told them what was going on, and, and you know I just gave me a lot of words of encouragement, and and it definitely helped. I mean, I, I didn't you know come out the next day go four for four. I think I went zero for four the next day too, but <laughs> at least my mindset was in a better spot where you know, and, and then being able to get to the All Star break a couple weeks after that, and getting to go back home for a couple of days and just kind of rejuvenate, I think really helped. And, and, uh, coming back from the all-star break, uh, you know, again, nothing had changed. I was still doing the same kind of work, you know, I was putting in the work early, doing the same thing I was doing in batting practice. Cause to me, I believe that was what I needed to do. And it just, after the all-star break started clicking and, and had a really good week. And then, um, we were coming home from a, from a road trip. We had a layover in Phoenix. We we're going back to Fresno and that's when, uh, the manager had come up and was walking up to me when I was on the phone with my wife. And I told her, I go, hey, let me call your back. Manager wants to talk to me real quick. And, and that's when he told me, he's like, hey, you know, as soon as you land, you need to drive up to San Francisco. And I'm like, you're lying. Like, it's not funny. It's not a funny joke right now. Like, <laughs> I get it. I'm playing better. But you don't need to be messing with me like that. And he goes, no, no, seriously, you and it was Juan Perez. You, you guys are both getting called up. So if you got your car, you need to get up to San Francisco as fast as you can. And I was like, okay. Awesome, you know, super excited. Now, of course, the thoughts of the homecoming and being back in the Bay and, you know, because at the time that's where we were living. Um, so just super excited. Now I'm this, this flight couldn't get quick enough, right? I couldn't get in that car and drive up to, to San Fran as fast, you know, as, as quick as I wanted. Uh, but since he left, I got it back on my phone and I called my wife. And I go, because, uh, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. So every road trip down to Fresno, it was about a three-hour drive from home, she and the family would come down for the, the homestand. So she was getting ready to leave to meet me in Fresno when we landed. And um, and so when I called her back, I go, hey, honey, don't come down. I'm coming home. And she's like, no, you got released? And I go, no, I'm getting <laughs> called up. And she screamed one of the loudest, joyful screams I'd ever heard. <laughs> And, uh, so it was just, it was a cool moment. Um, and obviously she was able to come to the game that day. And, um, that, that is one moment I'll never forget is, is walking into that clubhouse, you know, after, after four years. And, uh, it, it just, it, it was such a cool feeling that, that gives me goosebumps still to this day when I think about. We'll continue the conversation with former giant Travis Ishikawa right after this. We all know that solar systems make financial sense and environmental sense. And when it comes to choosing the best installation crew in the business, Sun First Solar should be your first choice. Sun First Solar has provided solar excellence since 1984. They are Sun Power Elite Commercial and Elite Residential Installers with a reputation for technical excellence, innovative design, fair pricing, excellent customer service, and end-to-end quality and competence. Sunfirst Solar is a family business devoted to treating their employees, customers, the community, and the environment with respect, and they are devoted to renewable energy and sustainability throughout the Bay Area. There is no roof or project that is too complicated. Sunfirst has successfully installed solar on Spanish tile roofs, metal roofs, and very steep roofs. They also have extensive experience in solar ground mounts and solar pool heating. Competitive pricing expert consultation, and the best warranty. Go local and get your Sun Power solar system from Sun First Solar today. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. Speaking of goosebumps, we're going to play this call from John Miller. Game 5, NLCS. The last time the Giants won the pennant. Listen to this. Now the stretch. Here it comes. 
Swing and there's a drive deep into right field. Way back there. Goodbye. A home run for the game and for the pennant. The Giants have won the pennant. And Travis Ishikawa is being clobbered by his teammates as he comes down the third base line and he is mobbed at home plate. What goes through your mind when you hear that, Travis? Yeah, that's the goosebumps moment, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was something else. I mean, I want to go through that step by step. And I know you've probably replayed it a million times. But, you know, when you watch the video, first thing is just the opportunity to hit that ball out of the ballpark because you got ahead in the count against Michael Waka, 2-0. Looked like a sinker that he threw. Were you looking exactly for that pitch? Yeah, um... So it was. It was actually it was a fastball. It looked like it was supposed to be just a fastball away. Um, maybe they were assuming I was taking. You know, it being two zero, and um, you know, with Belt walking on four four straight, they had that before. Um, thankfully, I had no idea that he had thrown six straight balls. Like it just it hadn't even entered my mind because I think if it had, I would have probably locked myself up and taken that pitch. So um, I was just so in that moment. Um, it was one of those those moments where it, for me it didn't happen all the time or a lot, but it was just one of those moments where I was able to tune everything out. Kind of like Kevin Costner in that For Love of the Game movie where he was able to, like, <laughs> silence it. Like, that's it was Billy one of those Chappell, moments. Billy Chappell, yeah. Yes, yeah. So I was able to do that, and I just remember looking at Flan after the, the second ball, and he just put his hands, you know, kind of right over the heart of the plate. Like, basically, if you get your pitch, take a swing at it. And so that was the only thing going through my head, and it was my, my thought process was it's 2-0. You know, the winning run's on second. You know, I know he doesn't want to – walk me he doesn't want to put the, the winning run at third with one out so and he's got to throw me the fastball and it's got to be a strike so I was really just I was even more aggressive I think than normal um and just anticipating that he was going to try to throw a strike is, is what do whatever he could which you know when that in those moments they tend to miss more over the middle of the plate than they do on the corner so um you know I just I think it was just it was that that mentality it was that confidence and, and then it was just the conviction of just trying not to do too much. I mean, my, that before I got into the box that at bat, I just told myself, I know he throws hard. I just want to get the barrel of the ball. How am I, how quick can I be to get the barrel to the ball? And so I just literally was trying to just uh, be as concise as I could and not trying to get too big, which I've done so many times in my career. At that ballpark, even when you drill it like you did, it may not go out. Did you know it was going to go out right away? No, no. I mean, off the bat, my first initial thought was I got the barrel of the ball just like I wanted, um, but it was one of those those low line drives that I'd hit so many times before, where it just seemed to like where the right fielder just takes a step back and it's just a line drive right to him. I mean, it just kind of falls right into his glove. Uh, so when I first hit it, just looking at the trajectory of the ball, I was like, dang it! Like I hit it good, but it's going to be right at him. Um, and it wasn't until about three, four steps out of the box. When I think basically when I saw when you saw my hand go up the first one, that's when I kind of like I, I remember in my head seeing like I saw, I saw his back and I'm like and I'm looking at the ball and it's still going up. I'm like, he's not catching this ball. We're winning this game. <laughs> and and so obviously that's where the hand started going up. And it's funny because I can still I can still remember that moment like it was in slow motion, <laughs> um, you know, watching the ball, watching his back, watching my arm going up and. And then I remember, like, the crowd getting – I can still remember the crowd getting louder and louder. Like, they knew it was game over, but it was also like they knew it was going out. And so that's where the second hand kind of started going up. I'm like, if this goes out, that would just be 
really cool, you know. And <laughs> and um, you know, San Francisco and that you know that facade, it's really hard to kind of see balls if they hit the wall or go out. Um, but I, I I'll remember that you know clear as night or clear as day, whatever <laughs> analogy. But I rem- I will never I'll, I'll always remember seeing that ball go right over you know going right over that green facade into that first row and and you know hitting first base and high five and Roberto, which I never high fived first base coaches because I was always trying to to run to get to the next base just in case. <laughs> and I mean that's that's how fast that ball went out. Is I had a chance to high five Roberto and then once I hit first base, it, it just it goes blank still to this day. I don't remember running the bases. I mean I I put it together just from watching the the clip and the highlights. You know probably close to a thousand times, but um, but yeah, I still in my mind I can't remember what happens after that. It was quite a joyride around the bases. In fact, between second and third base, there was a player. I couldn't tell who he was, but there was a player that was getting in your way. And you're like, hey, I still have to touch the bases. Now, you don't remember yeah. this, but, I mean, maybe that it was part of it. When you watch the video, you could say, wait, what was that right. guy doing out there? Right. And again, I didn't know. I, I vaguely can kind of remember that. <laughs> All I remember thinking was I'm trying to get out of the way. Because I knew if he touched me, like, I could lose, like, I could be out. And so, I, you know, I was like. I didn't want to like I I I didn't want to like lose the home run I guess because I hit so few of them I wanted to cherish all of them that I hit, but um, I didn't know it was Jake and I remember feeling like I was doing everything I could to avoid him and I go then I watched the video and I'm I'm like trying to shove him out of the way <laughs> so I had to apologize <laughs> to him later on but and obviously he completely understood but yeah that's that's one of the few things I remember from that moment and I mean everything else like forgetting to give Flan a high five. I didn't even remember. No, I'd done that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. I, I also wonder about after the euphoria of all that, uh, when it sunk in about how that moment really kind of uh, resonates with everybody as far as a, a moment in history that is so rare. I mean, I, I don't know that you, you thought about it right away, but, I mean, the, the last time it happened was Bobby Thompson in 1951. Uh, as far as the Giants are concerned, getting to the World Series. And it's the first time it ever happened in the uh, National League in the uh, NLCS. Uh, it happened three other times in the American League Championship Series. But, I mean, that's an incredible historic moment when you start to think about it. Yeah. And at the time, I'm just happy we won. You know, you're not thinking about anything like that. And um, you know, I, I even going home that night, I mean, again, probably watched it 200 times that night. Um, you know, my mother, we were uh, staying at my mother-in-law's, our house down here in Arizona was being built. And so we, she had recorded the game. So we watched it over and over and over again. And <laughs> even watching it, it didn't feel like it was me. Cause again, <laughs> I, I don't remember most, I didn't remember really any of the running. Um, but it was one of those moments. It's like, this doesn't happen to guys like me. These are the moments that happen to guys to like Buster and Pablo, you know, the superstars of the team, the leaders of the team. Like this doesn't happen to guys like me. So it was hard for me to believe that that was me on TV. I was watching. Uh, it was almost like somebody had put on my bodysuit, you know, and was pretending to be me um, when it had happened. But it, it, it's, it, I didn't really get a full chance because, you know, now we still have the world series. We had to worry about and, and, you know, an undefeated postseason Royals team that hadn't lost yet. So we still had, you know, a long way to go. Um, so it wasn't really until the offseason where I kind of got to sit back and go, wow, like, did that really just happen? You know, and, <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was, you know, it took a while. And even to this day, it's like, I know it was me. and I, I don't doubt that, but, uh, and I, I've kind of 
gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I definitely, that was something that I got to do, but it's still, like you said, it was such a, a monumental moment and a, such a rare moment that it's just, I, I'm, I'm just humbled to the fact that I wasn't that I was able to do that, 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 that happened to a guy, like I said, like a guy like me, a journeyman that, that never really established a home for more than a couple of years. Now, when you get to the World Series, prior to that postseason, you had made just three career starts in left field. And, I mean, you were a really good defensive first baseman. To all of a sudden have to go out there in left field, I would think for a lot of people that would be terrifying. And you did a good job of, of making that work out. But, first of all, how much of a quick study did you have to be? And was it a little terrifying <laughs> to go out there? Yes. The answer would be yes for that last question. Um so it, going back to 2010 when Aubrey was playing every day, that was where I decided it would be beneficial for me as an individual and for the team if I could play more than just one position. And I had played like outfield in high school and even drafted. I was playing a little bit of outfield before I got called up to Salem and became an everyday first baseman. Um, so I had, had some experience. It's just been a lot of years. But going back to 2010 when I was, okay, I'm not playing, so – um, I'm going to start working out in the outfield. So Sherholtz is a close buddy of mine. So we go out every day in batting practice and, you know, get reads together and then working with Roberto, um, you know, a couple times a week and, you know, during batting practice or in early work, you know, going out and doing ground balls, making throws, just, just so it's in there. And, um, and then even going on through my, you know, my journey after I left in, in 10, um, you know, all those years, um, you know, especially in AAA, it's a lot easier because, um, you know, you there's a little bit more room for air. So sure. um, I would go out, I, you know, so even at, in 2011 in Fresno, uh, before I had my shoulder surgery, I was, you know, I was playing some outfield, both left and right field. And um, so I was getting games in, um, you know, first base obviously is still a priority, but they would mix me in from time to time. Um, always continued working, even in 14 when I'd gotten called up, um, again, because I wasn't an everyday guy, you know, belt was back and, um, and so I would continually work every day would work with Roberto in the outfield for a group of batting practice before, you know, right after I took my ground balls. And, um, so we would always work. Um, but then when September came and all the call-ups came up, we had, I think like three or four outfielders called up from Sacramento, uh, Fresno, sorry. Um, I, I stopped working cause I was like, well, if push comes to shove, you know, Boach is going to go with a guy that actually plays outfield. Right. Um, you know, so I kind of stopped working. I, you know, put my focus back on, you know, first base and the pinch hitting and, and things like that. And so it wasn't until I think it was the second, it was the last road trip. I think we were in Arizona. Um, it was the, the, the second game, right after the second game. So we had the, the day game the next day, and then we were coming back home for the last four games to San Diego. And Roberto comes up to me after the game. And he goes, have you been working the outfield much? And I go, no, I just figured with the call-ups, like, they would have priority over me, so I just kind of put my folks back on infield. Like, uh, maybe you should get back out there for the let's do let's do some work tomorrow during batting practice. I'm like, okay, sure. So I'm not even thinking anything, right? I have no idea what's going on. Like, you think I would have been able to put two and two together? But no, I was just like, oh, maybe he just wants to work with me again. I don't know. He misses me, and so we went out in Arizona and and uh, you know we worked in the outfield, made the throws, took ground balls and things like that, and flew back home to San Francisco and. So the next day, you know, it's a night game, first of four games in San Diego, and, and I'm walking in at, you know, 12, 1230 or whatever. And my whole career, even in the, going back to the minor leagues as a young guy, like for me, even if I knew I was playing, I needed to see the lineup before I like got going with my day. Like just the confirmation that I'm either playing or I'm not. 
And uh, so before the the, tech, the technology age, when lineups were on paper, um, you know, it was easy. I'd walk in, I'd see my name on the bench, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get my mind ready to be a pinch hitter today, you know, or, oh, I'm in there, I'm going to get my mind ready for a start, you know, and I would approach the day like that. So, you know, by the time 14 comes around, now the lineups are posted on the TV monitor. Well, it's only posted for a few seconds, and then it switches to, like, the next, you know, the next, <laughs> you know, string of data, you know, the starting yeah, pitcher for the day, page, you know, right. whatever it was. Right, and so... Um, so I didn't, I saw when I walked in, I saw Bell was at first base. So I was like, okay, I'm coming off the bench. I didn't see my name, but I, you know, <laughs> but with the, it was just the starting lineup. So I just assumed I was on the bench. So I'm, I'm getting ready. And Andrew Susak comes up to me and he goes, Hey, congratulations. You're in there today. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're lying. I'm playing. I, I go belts at first. He goes, no, you're in the outfield. I go, what? <laughs> and so a practical joke. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like he's so kidding now. I've, so me knowing, I gotta see. I got conf- I need confirmation. So I walk back to the screen. Well, right as I walk up, it changes from the lineup to the next thing. So it's like 45 seconds every cycle. So I'm standing there like an idiot for like 45 <laughs> seconds in front of this monitor, waiting for the lineup to come back. And then there and behold, lo and behold, when it shows up, it says me, you know, batting eighth and left field. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And uh, I think it was later brought to my attention before batting practice that that they were they wanted to give me some games out there to you know see for the postseason and so like you said I was a mess out there uh mentally um I think physically I, I guess I looked all right because they decided to go with me for the postseason but um but every game that postseason that I played I was a nervous wreck um <laughs> at least at least until I got my first at back because then once I did something I was familiar with it kind of helped settle me down a little bit but you know again batting a sometimes that wasn't until the third inning so I'd go two or three innings, like just like not not you know. Please don't hit me the ball, but I was like, if you guys don't want me to have the ball, I'd be okay with that right now, you know, kind of mentality. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, it was it was definitely um, I, I had a lot of anxiety that month of October, and uh, I think I slept for about. I don't think I got off the couch for about three days after that that last game, um, just trying to decompress <laughs> and trying to to regain some sanity and, and some. Uh, some, uh, I think I lost a few years of my life, so I was trying to get those back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. All the anxiety. Yeah, there's so much pressure uh, to begin with in a World Series, but for your manager to you know, put that kind of responsibility on you, he's showing you a lot of confidence, and I would think that it's, it's tough because you, you want to make sure that you prove him right. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to – obviously, it, it wasn't just – you know, for a personal, you know, I want to be the best I can be. I mean, obviously, like you said, I mean, we get to the postseason. It's it's about team, and it's it's you don't care if you go over, if you lose every, if you don't get a hit in the entire postseason. But if you can help your team defensively, or somehow if you can, I mean, it, it doesn't matter at that point. And so that was my biggest fear was I didn't want to let the team down. And so you can imagine how I felt in that game five, the NLD, uh, NLCS, when that ball got over my head off Jay's bat and. Uh, I felt like I was about two inches tall, but um, but I'll never forget again. I'll never forget the fans that night after that happened. There was, you know, I could understand if I got booed at that moment, and there wasn't a single <laughs> boo. It was just all encouraged. You know, the few things I did here was all encouragement. I know it was still kind of quiet, uh, but there was no negative, which I thought was really cool, and uh, thankfully able to redeem myself later on in that game. That's what I wanted to finish with. It's just the relationship with the fans because, you know, that home run that uh, we talked about, so special. And, um, you know, it just continues on because Giants fans never forget. I I was at a Sharks game after that, and you were in attendance with somebody, and I think it was another teammate, 
and the fans at the Sharks game, at the tank, gave you a standing ovation. I mean, it was a big deal. Uh, just to, to be out in public like that and get that kind of uh, adoration, uh, it, it must be meaningful, you know, later after you're already retired uh, to know what the fans think of you. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, San Francisco is so special like that. And, you know, that's where I was I was really disappointed that, that this all happened this year with the, you know, the shutdown and the, the COVID and whatnot is I was really looking forward to that reunion because I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to come back to San Francisco about two or three times now, I think, um, especially since I've been coaching and, and being able to come back for, you know, special occasions and, and the, the welcome that I get every time it's, there, there's just it's such a you talk about goosebump feelings I mean I get that every single time I walk into that stadium or I walk around the city and, and you know people coming up and just saying hello and um you know I think I think I've been I think I have now met every single person that was in the game in attendance <laughs> that night I think I've heard about 55,000 times I was at the game that night but I love hearing those I mean I don't, hopefully it doesn't sound coming off too egotistical but I like hearing where people were at those moments I mean just the stories that I get to hear it's just it, it really is cool and again it's so humbling that, that I was able to create memories that, you know, for me, it's, it's baseball, right? And, and I'm just playing the game that I love and trying to help my team win a World Series. Um, you don't, I don't think we always get to understand and get to appreciate, like, what that means for fans at times, you know? And so I think that's why we need to get back into baseball as quickly as we can because I know that fans are dying and they need, you know, with everything going on in this country right now and how 2020 started off, you know, just – get back to some kind of normalcy and then getting back onto the baseball field and on the diamond and, and rooting for our team. So, um, you know, those, those San Francisco fans, I, I look forward to every chance I get to go back to the Bay for sure. Yeah. Well, can't wait to have you back here, Travis. Uh, it's been a pleasure having some time here to talk to you. You're a great guy. I mean, I, I think uh, no matter what was happening in your career, you were always very accommodating to uh, people like myself in, in the media and uh, you know, your love of baseball always was uh, shining through no matter what was happening. And uh, I really appreciate it and hope to talk to you again down the road. I appreciate that too. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on. That's former giant Travis Ishikawa. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano from the sportsvirus.com. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. 